everybody, and good evening, and welcome to a special bonus episode of Gotta Have Heart Wrestling by yours truly, Jamal Honus. You know, we're in the month of December, we're getting ready for WWE tables, ladders, and shares, but we gotta talk about, you know, an event that happened 20 years ago to this very day. A very ominous structure, known as the Hell in a Cell, took place at this very event on December the 10th, 20, 2000, called Armageddon 2000. WWF Armageddon 2000. What an event that was. It witnessed the first ever Armageddon six-man Hell in a Cell match with six of the greatest superstars ever in WWE's history. It'll be a first Hell in a Cell for four of those people, unlike Antique and Triple H who had been to Hell in a Cell before. And you could you gotta imagine how difficult this match is, how off the charts the danger factor could be for all six of these all six of these superstars. You got Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock. The Undertaker, Triple H, Rikishi, and the WWE Champion, Kurt Angle himself, fighting for the richest prize of the company. Mr. Man had a lot invested in this matchup that he did, want, did not want to hurt his investment. But thanks to McFoley, which saw three separate rivalries put all together in one dangerous structure known as the Hell in a Cell. Man, this event will take place on December 10, 2000 from Birmingham, Alabama at the Birmingham Jefferson Civic Center with 14,920 fans. Tagline, Lord, I'm coming home to you. Man, one tagline that is. That is pretty nice row for a hell of a match like this. Uh, well, we got one show on Sunday Night Heat with Sky Toddy, accompanied by Grandmaster Sexy, defeating Dealer Brown with Chaz and Tiger Ali Singh, part of Lowdown, in a singles matchup. You know, you gotta give it up. You know, Tuko were really high in their career in the t- near 2000s, so... You know, to be the um legend like Dealer Brown, who had been dead for like about some over three years now, and yeah, Chaz he used to be one member of the Headbangers, known as Mosh. So you gotta really, you know, give it up for Grandmaster Sexy or Sky Toddy, even if their real names Brian Christopher and, and Scott Taylor. You know, so these young guys, part of this group, too cool, is pretty at the height of their career as far as the tag division goes. So. Good one for Sky Tardy on Sunday Night Heat. We kick off the show with the intergender elimination tag team matchup featuring the radicals of Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, and Perry Saturn with Terry going up against, this is pretty weird, the Hardy Boys and Lita. Lita, probably this is her first intergender tag match with her being the only woman in this matchup here. It proves how tough it was back in the day that we where you had some women, maybe like Trish Strass and China wrestling in all male matches, so this is a pretty surreal here to happen. You know, radicals are on a roll. I think the whole group of radicals, you have a tremendous amount of talent put between them. You have, you know, the likes of Agro, Dean Lingo, Perry Saturn, and Chris Benoit. Of course, you know, Chris Benoit will do his own things. Most of his matches in the 2000 pay per view were singles matches, but this is a collective group of guys that Mick Foley brought in after the War of 2000 earlier that year. I talked about them being so successful that to the point where. They're damn unstoppable at times, you know? So, if you have these whole collection of talents together, which they were former, they're part of the former uh, company, WCW, now with WWE to make some waves, and they definitely did that. That's for damn sure. So, for them to, you know, just come in and full swing into the main event scene, you know, in the past weeks and weeks, they've been helping Triple H try to get rid of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Plans didn't work, kind of backfired, especially what happened at the Survivor Series. Ugh. Let's not visit that, because that was pretty scary enough with Austin and the Triple H to close out the show. 
The Radicals here will get the win over Team Extreme, Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy, and Lita in eight minutes and six seconds here. Even though I am a big Hardy Boys fan, you know, trust me, the Tatum Tyler and the way these guys perfected the Latin matches in the past, pretty damn cool team. I well, my favorite tag team would be the Hardy Boys. You know, say no more. So, yeah. And then next up, you have William Regal defending the European Championship against Hardcore Holly. You saw the match that happened at, you know, Sarasa didn't really solve anything between these two men. These guys have a rematch. Well, William Regal winning in Fair Square in five minutes. I'll admit, William Regal holding the European Championship, not too bad. You know, it's considering he is from England. You know, it's from the UK. So, but the BF Championship, it kind of makes sense at the time. You know, and Harker Holly, who is probably one of the greatest hardcore champions in the WWE's history, and Ian Tanner, of course. You know, all know the story that, you know, he broke his arm thanks to Karenga back in June on SmackDown. Very bad injury. He came back, you know, last month in November, not challenging for the European Championship straight up. And, you know, where are we going to go? I think right now, ever I will say this, where are we going to go? It's right now the general manager of NXT and WWE. But he's one of those guys that UK that could have been a world champion, whether in WCW or WWE. But it's like nobody, nobody actually found that confidence in him or the ability for him to be the WWE champion. You know, so it's kind of sad. I kind of wish among him and Wade Barrett, the two guys tough from the UK in the British Bulldog, maybe make that three. So I never held the WWE championship in WWE. So it's kind of a sad case. But at least Wade Ringo got to be the European championship for as long as he could. So, we'll not too bad. Next, though, we'll see Val Venus go up against China in the singles matchup. Val Venus was accompanied by Ivory. Mind you, China had the problem with the right to censor here. And since Ivory was the reigning defending WWE Women's Champion, she's on Ivory to do a singles matchup here against China here tonight. At, well, then at Armageddon. So, Val Venus being part of the right to censor, changing the demeanor, cutting his hair. You know, this new look, this new attitude. It did work for Val Venus because he did it was on a successful, you know, successful role here in WWF, aside from being the adult film persona. So I didn't know I like that persona. I'm a big Val Venus fan, but it was like, yeah, eventually he's going to need to change. I'm glad he changed it into the right sensor, the right to sensor, and started feeding with China here. And unbelievable as may seem, what happened in China afterwards after this event, because Bob Venus did win in five minutes three seconds. It's just the aftermath that happened in China with the whole neck injury angle, her lean up against Ira at the Warner in WrestleMania. That's pretty sad. It was a pretty personal storyline. So, you know, good job for Ryder Sensor for putting China in the spotlight with this rivalry here. Next up, we will see Chris Jericho and Kane in a last man standing match. I'll admit, Chris Jericho and Kane, it may not seem like an attention-seeking rivalry, but I enjoyed it. Because you had Kane, this rivalry started, this rivalry started before the Survivor Series, where Chris Jericho accidentally stole coffee over Kane. And, quote-unquote, over there burn you, which, that was a big pun intended, from the whole Kane gets set on fire when the child and scarring for life. So this is pretty appropriate how this rivalry started here. Yeah, so good job for that opinion on this rivalry, because I actually... Watch the last Matan match between Kershaw and Karenko. The way that Kershaw won it, all those barrels, probably heavy barrels, falling down on Kane, and those were made out of steel, of course. You could hear the thud when it did fall down on the Kane and get into the 10 count. So for Kershaw to win it, it was pretty damn surreal. It boosted Kershaw's profile that he can take down men that are larger than him. So 
And it's a pretty fun match to watch. If you go back and watch the match, this match was pretty fun. It wasn't really a sleeper or boring type of matchup or a sleeper, but it was actually pretty fun to watch. I enjoy Glass and Tan match, no matter who it is, but you got to make it that the rivalry is really intense for it to get to that point. And I think at this time, the Chris Jericho Cam rivalry was pretty intense. And you know, probably maybe the third match between these two, but I enjoyed it all the way. So kudos for Jericho and Kane for putting on this rivalry here. So. All right, next up, we will see a Freedom Foy match for the Tacking Championships. You got Edge and Christian, the Dudley Boys, K-Quick and Road Dog, and the Wretched Census, Bo Buchanan, and the Godfather with Steve Wretches. Take all four of these teams. You got two decorated tag teams, Edge and Christian and Dudley Boys, multiple-time tag team champions here. You got K-Quick, who we know right now in WWE is R-True with the Road Dog. Road Dog, a accomplished tag team wrestler with former tag team partner Billy Dunn. Then you have to write the censors. Bo Buchanan, who was still, I think, coming into his own here. I, with the Godfather. Godfather, I love Godfather. No matter what, good father, Godfather, still one of amazing guy. Bo Buchanan, this match, I still think in the time that he was coming to his own, he wasn't really up there yet. He was at probably the one of the lowest of lows as far as the roster. I didn't really like Bo Buchanan, know what his wrestling style was, because he was a big guy. He was a big guy, but I think he did not use his ability that much, so... I'm thinking they could have said something. Maybe he could have had a singles run. Maybe Bill Buchanan didn't need to be in the right sensor. I think the right sensor actually killed his career, to say the least. Because when the right sensor did break up the following year, he wouldn't have never really seen her from again, except came as B-square as John Cena's running buddy. Again, that made John Cena look good, but it didn't make Bill Buchanan, you know, look good at all. So, yeah. So, you know, you got this match up here. Edge and Christian getting the win to become the new tag team champions again. You know, so this match will last eight min- nine minutes and 43 seconds here. Not too bad of a match. It was pretty okay for your most favorite for a tag team match. It was an elimination style, which is more possible finish. So, but it wasn't too bad to say the least here. I really like the fact that K Quick and Rodog were an actual tag team because I actually liked it when they wrapped to the ring. That was pretty cool. A typical R Truth thing, you know, as he does nowadays. So, for them to do it and you know, always Road Dog is good on the mic, no matter what he says. Anything comes to mouth is either funny or pure gold. So it was pretty cool to see, you know. Next up, we have a singles match here where we saw Chris Benoit facing Billy Gunn for the Incarnate Champion. Pretty good matchup here. I always enjoy Chris Benoit matchup. Billy Gunn coming to his own as singles competitor. Billy Gunn had a lot of potential. I will not keep on, I will not stress this though that Billy Gunn had a lot of potential. To be a champion. Even for the Incarnate Champion, solo championship, he still had a lot of potential to do it. Considering that he was the Incarnate Champion the previous year, multiple times tackling champion, and even Incarnate Champion one time, you know, especially around this time. So he was defending the belt. You gotta face Chris Benoit. I think anybody going to match Chris Benoit just knows it's gonna be physical and technical too. Chris Benoit did win this match by making Billy Gunn tap out via the cross race in 10 minutes and 2 seconds here. This was actually a pretty good match to watch because it actually made Billy Gunn realize that, you know, he can handle being a singles player and not being in any tag team with the New York Outlaws with his former partner, the Road Dog. So, and Chris Benoit, Chris Benoit has been in the spotlight in the 2000. His matches against Chris Jericho at Backlash and Judgment Day, him almost winning the King of the Ring here, his amazing match with The Rock at Full Lord 2000, which I would say is one of the greatest matches in WWE's history for entire matches go. His 2 before match with Jericho SummerSlam, him 
in the Unforgiven Fan 4 matchup, him against Triple H in that no DQ matchup, no mercy. Him in the Survivor Mission matchup, he did we was one of the sole survivors, key one of the sole survivors. And now now. So Christmas Law has been in a high role in two thousand heading to Tell One. So there's nobody more on fire than Ben Wall that year. Yeah, so we have a triple threat matchup for the women's championship between Ivory, the defending champion, against Molly Holly and Shastras. Mind you, Molly Holly's a newcomer. But I think she proved what she does Survivor Series, defeating Shastras in that six-man mixed tag team matchup. It was pretty cool to see. Shastras coming to her own hair. She was still in the training process before she became the quote-unquote seven-time women's champion. And Ivory being the veteran of this matchup here, no champ before, so for her to get this moment was pretty fitting. I think Molly Holly Trish were weren't ready at the time to become champions, but still they were future athletes. Because also Molly Holly, I think is a four time WWE champion in the future. So Molly Holly, so Ivory to win the championship, really, really good. This match lasts two minutes thirteen seconds, and we'll see Ivory's profile along with you know future Molly Holly probably making them good superstars heading towards the future in the year 2001. Next up, we got the main event, the Armageddon Hell in a Cell match for the WWE Championship. We saw Karen go defending against The Rock, Stone Cold, uh, Triple H, The Undertaker, and Rikishi. First off, we will see Triple H come out here. Can I stress enough how cool Triple H's entry music is? No matter what music he changes it to, I always love every single Triple H theme song, except the 100 songs, but that was uh, Fiel Crusade. I didn't like that at all. But every year when Triple H changes his song, it sounds pretty cool. And this one was like the instrumental version of the song, the game. This is pretty cool. I like, you know, Rikishi being the bad man. I, I like that theme song as well, too. So, you know, you got Antigua using the Limp Biscuit rolling, rolling, rolling theme song for the first time also. And then you have, you know, Carnegie coming out here. And then The Rock. And then Triple H, too. So, I mean, The Rock. And then... Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> the way he came to the ring and just side-swept inside cell just to beat on Kerngle. <laughs> I think that was pretty funny here because Kerngle was the only one that did not enter that cell when he came out to his entrance music. Pretty cool matchup. These six sides beat the whole hell of each other to the point where, you know, climb top of the cage up here. We see Undertaker hit Kerngle with that steel chair. Mr. McMahon tried to interfere in this matchup by tearing the door off the house with this hay truck, whatever truck you want to call it. Mick Foley coming out here. I think if Mr. Man had his way, he would have torn that whole Hell in a Cell apart with fans in the arena. So if Mick Foley come out there, send Mr. Man out of the building. <laughs> if you hear the end of this thing, Mr. Man saying, oh, I own this damn building. <laughs> I think that was probably one of the funniest things i seen at that time. So <laughs> pretty funny, though. And, you know, of course, all six guys will find a way out of the cell considering the doors being torn off. So, you know, if you can have someone to match the doors torn apart, might look like you outside. Maybe less damage. Who knows? But yeah, you know, you see even Austin Pitt, H.O.H. Pitt has some Austin's head through a, through that truck window. Austin got busted open. We see the rock rip, um, catapult Triple H right into the car. You see Austin take that TV monitor, camera swinging around Triple H's face. Um, and he saw a lot of damage and destruction in this matchup. Then we see, like, what, Kernigo, Rikishi, the rock, um, Austin climbed that cell, and it's pretty crazy here. I think The Rock was the only person not to go on top of that cell. And, you know, I, I think one of the points in the matchup here, probably the most dangerous stunt in this matchup, we see The Undertaker slowly throwing Rikishi off there, not throwing, but grabbing by his neck and just pushing him off that cell ever so gently, and Rikishi handing in that haystack. That was pretty surreal there. I did not 
I didn't see the coming. I'm thinking, what if Rikishi didn't land that truck? That would have been further injury, but thank God that was planned perfectly by the World Wrestling Federation at the time. So, when to be planted right there, that was pretty surreal, you know, at the, at the moment, at the moment, at that match. We even see Kurt Angle take a chair shot from the Undertaker on top of that cell. Probably one of the hard chair shots ever. We saw Kurt Angle even bust the Undertaker in the head, cause the Undertaker to bleed when they got down from the cell to the ringside where the timekeeper area is. We saw an intense matchup here where Austin and, and Rock looked at eye to eye and throwing fits left and right here. That was pretty cool moment to see. We see Austin about to start on Triple H with into a neck breaker. Oh, man. Pretty surreal hair. And then you see The Rock getting knocked out. And Kurt Angle, by his left hand, covering The Rock 1-2-3 to attain the championship. For Kurt Angle to go in as champion inside that one saw and go out as champion, that was pretty damn cool. That was pretty damn cool. That boosted Kurt Angle a lot. Because Kurt Angle had one hell of a year, winning every single championship, plus the King of the Ring, main event after main event after main event, defeating the of the Survivor Series to winning his first and only Hell in the Sun match here. Pretty damn surreal for Kurt Angle. Kudos for Kurt Angle for being the gold medal athlete and walking out as arm getting as champion. Although he wouldn't get the last square because he received the stunner from Austin. And I'm pretty sure if Austin got stunned earlier, maybe Austin would have become the WWE champion. For the sixth time or fifth time that time. That match lasts 32 minutes or seven seconds. I think to me, out of all Hell in matches, this would be one of the top five brutal Hell in matches of all time. So it's definitely up there. I mean, six guys, six of the greatest superstars ever, not just six normal guys, six of the greatest stars ever beating the holy shit out of each other. Pretty damn surreal. Oh man, what an Armageddon that is, you know? So uh, that was. It was pretty crazy. It was. I think this whole paper was pretty cool. The Armageddon Hell in Cell match was pretty, was probably the best part of the event. Oh, man. Well, thank you guys for tuning in here to my bonus episode of Armageddon 2000 right here on God Have Heart Wrestling Podcast. And I'm not going to put up a poll because I already decided what I'm going to talk about next week Wednesday on my podcast, the full episode. It's pretty fitting here, too. So. Ladies and gentlemen, you have a good night and take care and be safe.